For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. All right, everyone, we are back talking to Nicholas Black, who works at Harvest USA. Uh, the first two days, we talked about really some of the origins of Harvest USA and then their new resource that they have released uh, entitled Alive Gospel Sexuality for Students, which is a 10-lesson study. And so we would encourage you to pick that up at New Growth Press or Amazon. Um, today, kind of shifting focus um, from that study, but just kind of wrestling with some of these questions about um, biblical sexuality. Uh, just kind of getting giving you a hypothetical here, uh, Nicholas. If you could gather, you know, an auditorium filled with teenagers, uh, which is already an intimidating uh, scenario, but but an auditorium filled with teenagers. Um, you know, what are three or more truths about biblical sexuality you would like to communicate to them? Again, I know that's an intimidating scenario, not only with just an auditorium filled with teenagers, but talking about something as sensitive as sexuality. But what are some of those things that kind of rise to the top of your mind of what you would like to tell them? That's a great question. Um, three or more truths about biblical sexuality you want youth to get or grasp. Um, not necessarily in the order of importance. Let me just throw some random things that come to my mind, John. Mm-hmm. One is that God has a design for sexuality that's for our good. Mm. You know, the world says Christian sexuality is restrictive, it's oppressive, it's demeaning. At best, sex is a necessary evil for, <laughs> for, for Christianity. Uh, no, no, no. Um, God has a design for sexuality for our good, and it's, it is not to restrict us, but to use what he has given us in the context of deep, intimate relationship building. Sex and relationship today is disconnected. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelmingly disconnected in pornography. It's overwhelmingly disconnected in the hookup, Tinder culture today. But sex at its core is a relationship builder where you have a context for a man and a woman to grow in intimacy and love for one another that is only going to be realized over time. Sex has a way of binding and bonding people together. So it's for our good. Um, You know, pleasure is great. I mean, the world today talks about the necessity of maximizing your sexual pleasure. And so that usually means how could you, in, the, in your right mind, just stay with one man or one woman for the rest of your life? How, how boring is that? Well, the reality is that pleasure is great, but pleasure increases when intimacy is deepened with one person. And then secondly, um, there's more to to life than about pursuing pleasure or living for your desires. There's more than that. Um, 
it's like it's like when you try to make happiness your goal in life, you can't you can't grab it. Um, the more you just grab sex as a means to pursue sexual experiences or pleasure, you will be encountering diminishing returns, just like addiction. So God has designed sex for our good, and there's a reason for it. It's because sex is a vehicle to bond and bind people together in lifelong, meaningful, um, flourishing relationships. That's the first thing I would, I would say. The second thing I'd say is <clears throat> the call to sexual freedom and autonomy today is the biggest lie you are going to encounter. Mm. Um, the scriptures say that sex outside of God's design is slavery. It is bondage. Um, living on the basis of fleeting desires. I feel this way about this person one day. I feel this way about another person another day. Uh, I think I'm, I'm heterosexual. No, I think I'm gay. No, I'm bi. Those are fleeting um, desires that have you know, no, no basis upon which you should base your life. Um, so answering that call to sexual freedom is really saying yes to sexual bondage and, and, and sexual, sexual slavery. I, I think we do have to communicate to youth the reality that the, the, the output of the sexual revolution, if you want to call it today, or sexual license today, is disillusionment. It is increased loneliness. People who spend their life on Tinder are lonely people. Hmm. Um, it, it leads to chaos. It leads to broken hearts. Um, it leads to, sadly and even more tragically, unwanted pregnancies that are usually ending in abortion. Hmm. And the reality is, um, I don't want to focus this entirely, but um, sexually transmitted infections hmm. are, are, are the, um, the outworking of multiple sexual partners today. So uh, that's the second thing I would say. Um, there's sexual freedom within God's design. There's sexual bondage and chaos outside of it. Yeah, I think that's so good. I mean, that just reminds me, as you say, that there's sexual freedom in God's design. I mean, thinking of Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body. I mean, her you know, entire thesis to that book is that God's design for sex and sexuality actually honors the body. Um, more than, 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 you know, the messages we are receiving from culture. So those are both, you know, again, foundational, that sex is designed for our good. Um, and then God, ultimately, you know, the, the boundaries he has set up is, is to protect us and to help us to enjoy this gift that he's created to a greater extent. So those are excellent points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, third point would be... Uh, it's they're all they're all connected as as you know, John. Uh, that sex and sexuality is simply not the highest measure of who you are, mm -hmm. and and of your identity. Um, that um, you know the reality is that living for God and His purposes is going to give you the most meaning in life, um, and that living a celibate life today is considered to be a tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. How could you live your life without being involved in, in some sexual experience? And um, while we again say that God's normative position is, is 
that there's a man and a woman who would be married. The reality is that many people will not get married. And in fact, Paul in the New Testament actually elevates the status of singles. In a culture where singles were on the outside, there was no elevation of, of being single back there in, in first century Judaism. Mm-hmm. It's all about the family and producing offspring. And Paul's saying, you know, God could be calling you to live so singularly for him that you say no to marriage because you're saying more yes to God. Um, so those are, the, those are the things I would be saying to youth today. And, and trying to, to say it in a way that I hope is, creates a vision for them that, that following whatever God has for them is ultimately going to be their best in life. Um, anything other than God's best is not your best. Hmm. <clears throat> That's really, really good advice. And, and again, just so much of the culture, um, those outside the church, but then even those inside the church, they misunderstand uh, that, that, again, God's boundaries are for their good, that they hear them and they think they're restrictive, they're unloving. God doesn't want us to have fun, but it's the exact opposite. I mean, he puts yeah. those in place because he does love us. So it's just so crucial uh, that our children are hearing that from us, that those youth inside the church are growing up hearing this biblical framework and, and how it does um, honor them. I mean, honor the Lord and, and it's ultimately for their good. So that's great advice. Yeah. <clears throat> Can I add a fourth thing, John? Please do. Okay. Cause you know, you can't just talk directly to youth without talking to the ones who shepherd them and disciple them and care for them and feed them and clothe them. We're talking Absolutely. about the parents, right? Yes. Yes. And, and I would say to parents, uh, you can't expect your children to grow up embracing God's design for sex when you never talk about it. When you, you don't, you don't honor God by talking about sex, not only in terms of what the Bible says about it, but with your own life. Um, the, the best thing you're going to do with your kids is to show them a good marriage. And as they get older, begin to talk about from your own perspective, the place of sex within marriage. And what does it mean and what it's all about? We just encounter too many people at Harvest USA uh, with their particular struggles. And they say, my parents never talked about it. They never displayed anything about sex. They never discussed their own sexual issues with us. And I know you have to do that appropriately. I get that. Mm -hmm. So they were suddenly jettisoned into adulthood uh, in a way in which what, they, they suddenly got to be able to pull all this stuff together and make it work? They can't. Mm-hmm. Parents, you've got to be the disciples of your kids with this. And I'll go back to the expression I used, uh, pick your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, step into that awkwardness. Be vulnerable with them. Speak transparently and truthful with them. And then help them, disciple them in this area. It's powerful and it's important. Once again, yeah, Nicholas, that's some very good counsel and advice. Before we, as we're starting to wrap this this up, again, kind of going back to our uh, scenario of being in an auditorium filled with teenagers um, and just thinking about, you know, the issues of uh, abuse and rape. I know, it, you know, referencing back to uh, Alive, the resource you've created, you'll have an appendix that deals with you know, issues surrounding abuse and rape and then other resources uh, that can be helpful 
uh, for those who've uh, been through sexual abuse. Uh, what would you want to tell those students about sexual abuse? Because we know statistics would say that if you're in an auditorium filled with teenagers, that many in that room have been abused. I'm thinking of um, Rid of My Disgrace by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb that was released several years ago. I think one stat was that one out of four females experiences sexual abuse and one out of six males. I believe that statistic is correct, but I don't want to misspeak. So with that in mind, what, what are some thoughts some things you would like to share, you know, to those teens who, who may have been sexually abused? Yeah, I, I think the main message I would give them, John, is don't keep this a secret. Secrecy will further hurt you. It will have long-standing damage in your life. Um, you, will, you will increasingly enter into more confusion more shame, more guilt. You can't work on this yourself. You need, you need outside people. So I would say the first thing is don't keep it a secret. And secondly, find a safe person to talk to. I know that's scary for you to do if you are being abused, particularly if you are being abused by someone who's putting pressure on you to keep silent. You are not helping that person by acquiescing uh, to their pressure, um, <coughs> they need help as much as you do now. So find a safe person. That might be your, your parents, but sadly it might not be. Hmm. Um, it hopefully will be you, <coughs> your youth pastor. Um, but it definitely needs to be um, the police and the authorities as well. Don't exclude them. Uh, so if you go and you talk to a youth pastor and you say, I'm being abused in this way, and that youth pastor doesn't do anything further, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, these are criminal actions. And, they, and, and the more that you don't do anything about it, the more you're going to be hurt. And the more that other person's going to be emboldened to continue to abuse other people. So stop the cycle right now. Step out there and, and get help. Um, and then talk to someone long-term about what this stuff has done to your mind, and your heart, and your body. Um, it will take time for you to work through that. The main thing you want to begin to learn in all of this is you're not at fault. You weren't the cause of it. You were, you were abused. You were used. And now you want to become somebody who's not going to be in a position of being abused and used anymore. There can be great growth coming from this, but it won't happen unless you speak up. Yeah, very good words uh, there for sure. And I know kind of going along with those statistics that there's always that um, knowledge that it's often underreported, um, as well as those who go through the abuse often know the abuser. And so again, that just goes to it being underreported. And so, yeah, your counsel there is, is very wise, and that's definitely uh, the steps to... Uh, towards healing um, for sure in this in this yeah. area so nicholas again thank you for those words thank you for your advice uh, we're going to tomorrow talk about some of the discouraging trends that uh, we've seen in, in the church in this area so be sure to tune back in more uh, tomorrow uh, with nicholas uh, thank you again thanks john